the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to History is Written by the Survivors. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. (laughs) What do you know? We are now on Wednesday, January 5th. The world is still falling apart. And we're still doing okay. Why? Because you know why. Because we're walking closely with our relationship in God and Christ, and that's a good thing. Hey, we're going to talk tonight about a perspective on history and really put in context where we are and what the importance is for us in this fight historically. It's a really important perspective to grasp. And I'm going to pull on some of the great, one of the great historiographers of of our time that you probably don't even know. His name is William Carr. But before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation landing page on MyPillow. It's a great honor to have that page. Thanks to all you great patriots that continue to support MyPillow and our great patriot CEO, Mike Lindell. Mike has fought for us repeatedly and relentlessly, spending tens of millions of dollars to try to establish election integrity. And I don't think Mike will ever be recognized fully for all he's done until generations later, hence the importance of historians. But nonetheless, if you head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S. You can great, get great savings across the entire site of MyPillow. You can go to my, my store, which is another great place for Patriot products, and FrankSpeech.com, same promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. And you'll find... All sorts of great feature sales on the MyPillow site, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. 40% off on my slippers, Giza sheets, buy one, get one free. 75% off on the the classic MyPillow. And buy six-piece towel set for $39.99. All great savings, all fantastic products. Check it out, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. Also, there is The Founders Bible, thefoundersbible.com. That is a place to get what I consider to be the Bible for our time, NASB 1995 edition, with many of our founding documents worked in through the scriptures in easy-to-read full-page insertions that allow us to really appreciate how connected our founding fathers were to the Bible. The scripture was a living language for them. It's an amazing composition and work. Of course, you know Brad Cummings. He's been on a couple programs. He was also on the Christmas special and New Year's special. So he has been he was one of the general editors on the Bible. It's a powerful composition. And if you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you'll get 20% off. It's fantastic. Finally, the coffee of choice for Bards Nation, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com, ExpeditionCoffee.com, that's X-P-E-D. Head on over there. You're going to find what I consider to be the best coffee on the market for this current time in this fight it's designed to give us energy and mental focus all through the day. It's part of a whole complement of products. It helps develop a holistic approach to our health and to reclaim our health sovereignty. Those include the gut health triad, which help heal and seal our gut. Immune XP, which boosts our immune system with a, based on pine cone extract and high levels of vitamin C. We also have Earth, which is a full body supplement. Takes in a, in a simple scoop and take it as a shake. Drink it once once a day, powder, mix it with water. Fantastic a nutrient supplement product. And then Pure 47, which is the most refined nano pure or silver extract currently on the market that can literally isolate pathogens, including the SARS-CoV range of viruses. So check that out at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. There's also a feature uh, group collection of products you can buy in one group of products called Neo7. And you, that's right at the top of the page you'll find there, which is all the products you'll need to keep your body healthy and strong. So again, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. 
Well, Patriots, I want to start out with this little clip here, which I'm sure will make everybody happy, but it's important to hear this. This is Ted Cruz. Remember, he was going to run for president at one point in time. Solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. We are grateful for that courage. We appreciate uh, the selfless sacrifice uh, of the men and women who, who keep us safe. So in case you aren't aware of what he's referring to, he's referring to tomorrow, which is January 6th, and the courageous men and women of law enforcement that saved the Capitol from the violent terrorist attack by common American patriots. Yep, Ted sold out. Ted must have been paid a bunch of money by Big Pharma, just like about every other politician. He is an absolute loser. So if you get a, if you feel compelled, you can give his office a ring and share your thoughts on that. This is this is making what we're witnessing here, Patriots, is we're watching our current history unfold, and it's important to really keep this in mind. You know. We are in a, a psyop of fashion, as we know, and we're dealing with people that are so deeply corrupt. And what they're all trying to do is rewrite history so that the future generations will believe their narrative and not ours. It's just like today. Oh, this is, I have to, this is breaking, breaking. This is an alert I have to give you. Stand by. Please secure in place. Please secure in place. Get on your, go to your COVID safe place. Go to your COVID safe place. All right, here we go. This is it, Patriots. Incredible. Fleur, Flurona. Flurona has arrived. Flurona. Flurona. You got it, Flurona. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is the latest variant the latest variant. So if you uh, if you have a mask and if you can go to your COVID safe place, please do so. See, this is the nonsense we're dealing with. I wonder how many people are going to run out and get an, another booster. I got a booster last week. Can I get a booster now? Yeah, yeah. How many would you like? Five. Five, please. Five boosters if I can. Can I, I just like to get one on each of my butt cheeks, one on my arm, each of my arms, and one right between my eyes if you could, please. That'd be great. Thanks. I mean, these people are ridiculous. This is nuts, right? But this is all what they're doing is they're trying to write this history. And it's really important to appreciate what I'm going to say here. We typically say that history is written by the victors, but that's actually not true. And this is why when we're looking at what's happening now and when you start to see especially when you look in the past, wars are always a critical part of this. History is actually written by the elites who fund the wars and the survivors who don't die during the wars. Really important perspective. Because what this these times do typically, and this is what I think they're having some struggle with right now, and I'm happy they are. In the past, when you have a war, think about this, your most courageous, your most courage-filled, your most ethical-based people who believe in the cause of a fight, that believe in the protection of the nation, they are the ones that go to war and suffer the pains of war. But they're not the ones that write the history. Those that survive write the histories, and those that are the elites are manipulating the board so no matter how it comes out, they're all going to write the histories together. When we go back in history to the Revolutionary War, we were conned in a much bigger way than you can imagine. Yes, we technically won that war, but what happens afterwards reveals what really happened. First, we have the treaty that John Jay renegotiates, renegotiates, with England. And what happens? John Jay gives England preferential trade status. He doesn't, we didn't break trade. We renegotiated a treaty with England. Why would we re renegotiate a treaty with England after we had won their war and kicked their tail? Because we didn't really. We were in debt to them. And then you have the Paris Treaty, which follows. 
And what happens at the Paris Treaty? You've got France and you've got England coming to the table to all discuss how much we owe them. And so there's this little pact made by the elites that go, oh, okay, well, we'll pay you and we'll pay you. And, and so it goes on. So here's the question you should be asking, which is why is it, why is it that they needed, that they needed to have a treaty to decide who was going to get paid? All right, so this is where we get into this concept of historiography. Historiography is the writing of history. And there's a couple principal rules, and these one of the classic texts on history was written by C.H. Carr, and the book is called What is History? It's one of the classic historical texts to study on how to look at history. And one of the simple things, his simple rules is history is movement, and movement implies comparison. Now, we know how the left is working. The left is driving one narrative, and if you dispute with it, you're part of the you're part of being the, the target of cancel culture. Challenge their narrative, and you're wrong. Because right now, what they're doing is a full march on resetting, and part of this great reset, the critical part is resetting the narrative of history. When they what the they want to be seen here is a point of a rebel bunch of people, and they're and in their eyes, they are going to be the exterminated. That's us, the unvaxxed, by the way. Because what they don't want is they don't want the vax rising up to speak history, truth. They want us to be the victims of this war. And then all those others that die off, they're simply a consequence of a global pandemic which wiped out everybody and left us all shattered and broken. And it was the great elites who rose up and saved us and kept us from ourselves. That, that's essentially the narrative that we're, that we're talking about. But this is why when we fight and we are pushing for truth, why this becomes so absolutely essential that we keep pushing truth out there to break through these strongholds of narrative. We're in a place where our history is literally being dissolved around us, and they're doing this very intentionally to keep us off balance and to disconnect us from the origins of truth. This leads to one of the most important parts of looking at history, and that is man's, this is from Carr again, man's capacity to rise above his social and historical situation seems to be conditioned by the sensitivity with which he recognizes the extent of his involvement in it. This is a very profound statement. I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to break it apart. Man's capacity to rise above his social and historical situation seems to be conditioned by the sensitivity with which he recognizes the extent of his involvement in it. In other words, we have to have accountability in the creation of history, and we have to be aware that we are part of history. It's a very important concept. And in this day and age, when we have people that are blindly walking like sheep off the cliff, off the cliff, way down off the cliff, all they're doing is feeding into this control narrative, and their voices, there is no voice that they're providing to look critically at history. History is, again, it is movement. And it's a dynamic movement that we have to constantly be looking at. We are doing, when we're looking at coronavirus, the fake virus nonsense, that is a constant and fluid narrative that they're moving. And those that are trapped within that flow of that narrative never are stepping outside to ask the critical questions because they're not taking accountability for themselves and their participation in history. They're just not. When we are stepping where we are right now, where we're sitting, we're looking back at this flow of history. And it's a rather profound thing to witness because we see the falseness of things. We see the narratives evolving. And it's our role to constantly disrupt those. So you have to look at it kind of like an, uh, an assault, constantly attacking and disrupting their narratives. Because as we do that, we're fracturing their ability to create a cohesive narrative, which they're going to use for generations if they get the choice 
to erase the truth and to keep people locked into this narrative of fear. Our role, literally every single one of us in this fight, we are being participant historians in this period of time. And being that we are a strong voice of the survivors, holding that line is going to become ever more important. The last thing we want is the elites and those that with compromised immune systems that live through this tear, this tear in their mind, I should say, this fake tear, that have lived through this tear and in the process of this tear, they have fallen, they have gone to their knees, and then when they write the histories, they talk about, oh, what a difficult time it was. How hard it was to get through all of this. We hardly survived, but here we are now, and we're so grateful for the help of the elites. See how that works, right? Because that's the game that these people play. COVID is a cover story, and it's a powerful emotional cover story. And one of the things that happens in the, in the writing of history is another quote from William Carr, the desire to postulate individual genius as the creative force in history is characteristic of the primitive stages of historical consciousness. In other words, people want to project, I'm just going to take us to something, by the way, people want to project this great genius of, of players in history that somehow fabricate great results in history, kind of like Trump's a, Trump is an example. He is the stable genius that's going to lead the world to a new era and save us all. That's literally a play on history. And it's a play in the awareness. Those that have done that and manipulated that narrative have done so understanding very well that people are in desire of having a history rewritten, which we were. We wanted to change the direction of history. And the weakness of that is they felt disempowered. So you insert a narrative of somebody who's going to be the great savior of mankind and at the same time promote Operation Warp Speed, sign the EO on 2019, a year before Operation Warp Speed, sign the EO in September 19 before we ever knew about coronavirus, sign the EO in December 2019 that mobilized mRNA development, and at the same time when the banks lost all of their money from overnight lending and the Fed had to step in and start printing millions and trillions of dollars more. Not that any of that's connected, I'm sure. But see, that's, that's the part of history. The, the historical approach to this is to dig. And history becomes a process that as we're putting these pieces together, we have to keep that voice strong. So again, the classic line is the victors write history. That's actually not true. The victors don't write history. The survivors write the history manipulated by those that funded the war. Keep that very clear because when you historically go back, every single time you will find that the elites are always manipulating and those that get destroyed don't have a voice. Being dead is kind of hard to write. And the survivors then that get through the period then have a traumatic view on life and that, that narrative almost always aligns with the elite's goals. We are in a very, very unique place right now. And what that unique place is, is that we as this group that's on the outside that is surviving this war very clearly, we are, we are stepping in and fighting against the elites. They can't exterminate us and our voice is rewriting their narrative and it's crushing their story. So they have this cadre of fools that have followed their fear, and that's just like the consequences of any war. Okay, so if you look at a war, the elites manipulate the war, and those that get obliterated in the war don't have a voice anymore. Those were the strongest voices many times of the generation. They were our bright minds. They were our people that were courageous. They were the ones that had the most spine to stand up and be vocal. They get wiped out. And then what's left? So who's writing the history of Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King's dead. Who's writing the history of Malcolm X? Malcolm X is dead. Who's writing the history of John F. Kennedy? John F. Kennedy's dead. And if you track what I'm saying here, these are powerful voices of an era. That decade, those were three powerful voices. Along with influencers like Jimi Hendrix and other great performers. 
All of those people are dead. But who writes the histories? People like Jane Fonda. People like McCain. You see how this works is the people that are manipulating the war always survive. Those that challenge the view of, of the narrative, they try to sacrifice. And those that survive are either part of it or victim of it, and they become a, a voice of the survivor. We have to relens how history is written. And I say this is very important because when we understand this principle, you really understand how important our singular role is in everything we do. Our push for truth is da- dash or destructively it's a destructive attack on the elite's perspective because it's not in their control. The anti-vax movement has become such a powerful movement, it is literally becoming a destructive force in its own. It is what I would say if I was a if if Q had been a true loyalist program to people, that's where that's what the anti-vax program is rather than a most likely a psyop of the elite. But we are the disruptive force because we are outside of the elite's circle. We're out we're not victims of their war. In fact, we're the survivors of the war that they're waging on humanity. And we're holding strong and they're not able to destroy us. And we're going to continue to hold strong. This allows for a very powerful rewrite of history, which at the end of the day is the truth. And it's through the truth that we we can then awaken many. History is one of the most important tools we have to keep the continuity of of our lessons and to keep us strong. Biblical history is fundamental. And it's ironic that one of the things that has happened in history, because one of the writers of history by the name of Hayden White, who taught at the University of Santa Cruz, south of San Francisco, wrote in the 1980s, and a single line basically put every historian on its ear in a total meltdown when he wrote, history is fiction. Now, for historians, that's, a, that's just blasphemous to say that because they are a fact-based driven society or culture, I should say, sometimes a cult. But when you also read someone like William Appleman Williams, who was one of our great American historic revisionists, who I had the opportunity of learning some from, he was at you know, Oregon State when I was there. His mind was always of the sense that history needs to be rewritten and he needs to be revised as we gain a better optic onto what the narrative is. Remember, good historians realize that the state is trying to constantly write its history. The elites are constantly trying to write the history that reflects for their benefit and for the gains that they made to put it in a positive light. This is why when you see someone like Ted Cruz or hear someone like Ted Cruz betraying us, it is also an important component in the historical war. Ultimately, what we are fighting is a narrative war, and we have been fighting narrative wars for centuries, if not millennium, because the historical perspective that we gain from war dictates the directions that we go in the future. I mean, consider one of these crazy ideas that comes out of war that they have manipulated that through war, we always gain the great innovations that move society forward. That is a literal narrative that comes out of the historical perspective of war. So in other words, the way that that narrative plays out is once we get people to kill each other, we get the greatness of humanity to come out of that, and we all gain as a result of war because we come up with great innovations. The real story is probably more like this. After we have slaughtered, the great minds that were innovating new technologies and new directions forward for a better humanity will introduce many of the technologies that we have managed to hide from them and that we've patented long ago and taken them off the market and will leak them into the system and then we'll use the war as the cover to change society's direction. That should sound familiar to everybody because we're, that's part of the great reset that we're going through right now. They are literally moving through this injection phase right now. We are literally experiencing not just a complete reset, but an absolute 
reshaping of what humanity, how humanity will literally function. And that, truthfully, should scare everybody. So I want to play another clip for you. I want you to hear this. It's a very important clip. This comes from an interview of a French guy. With surveillance, people could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. So you got that. He says that's over. There is no free will anymore. This is how they literally think. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. Vaccine won't help us go the to the test, of course. The vaccine will help <laughs> us, of course. It will make things, you know, m more manageable. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance. So, 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 so let's do it. Bill Gates created this epidemic in a laboratory to take over the world. And there you have the truth. So, Patriots, it's really important to grab what he was saying there in a, in a multitude of ways. Obviously, these people are very historical con historically conscious. And, I, and this is one thing that I've said many times is that we as a humanity have lost our historical consciousness. We used to have a pretty good foundation in it because Bible teaching and the scriptures were a foundation for everybody. And the Bible wasn't questioned until the elites started to beat on it to the point now that when you talk about the historical relevance of the Bible, you'll, you will get a general uh, response by the large percentage of the agnostic population that the Bible is just a story. It's just a narrative. It's just a book. That's a successful attack by people that are controlling history and understand the importance of history. Because if we really looked at scripture from a historical foundation of humanity, so much of where we are today would not be happening. And yet here we are. And we're here so much because we lack a historical consciousness. And these folks here in the elite circles have a high level of historical consciousness because they know what was happening, what we're doing, and where they're going. So when you hear him talk about this opportunity historically, when they look back from the future, he's telling you what their intention is. They're trying to obscure history right now, what they're doing. They're very well aware of where they're going. And by the time they get to the point where people will lift up their head and go, oh, by the way, look at that. That was an era where they introduced mass surveillance on a whole new level because they could start influencing people. No one's going to have the capacity to process that anyway for a very simple reason. They're going to be controlling the whole function of humanity's psyche, their whole psyche, through this influence of digital implants and digital influence and control. So I, we have some principal rules that we should all be living by. When you're trying to bring things together in a very big way, I mean, doing your research, whatever, we've had this fundamental rule now, but it's worth reminding everybody since we've begun this movement of truth, save things offline. Save things offline. One of the principles I've talked about recently, and I've been working aggressively to build this myself, we should be building paper libraries. Not digital libraries, not Kindle libraries, paper libraries. And if you're going to be saving stuff online, offline, make sure you're saving it in forms like PDF, not, not links, but PDFs. And when you save them in PDFs, you should be saving them in a, like a Faraday bag on a, on a zip drive or some sort of other drive. But keep in mind that all of that digital material over time degrades. Okay, 
The one thing about digital is if you aren't refreshing digital and working with it, over time, digital files will naturally degrade. It just is what happens. So the paper is a solid foundation for what we need to do. Yes, you should. I mean, I'll be very honest. If you have a, like a perfect go bag, you'd have like your whole library on PDF on a digital stick, and you'd have the whole library as well in a physical paper form in a fairly safe place. I don't know if we can all do that. But the whole principle is that digital can be easily manipulated. If you're paying attention to what's going on in the web, you know that there is a, there is a real-time effort right now to erase and rewrite histories. And that's happening because they are literally trying to shape the narrative and take away the evidence that anything was ever out there. So I'm going to read you an introduction to a book I just recently purchased. It's called The Suppressed History of America, The Murder of Meriwether Lewis and the Mysterious Discoveries of Lewis and Clark Expedition. This book is by Paul Schrag and Xaviant Hayes. So I want you to listen to this introduction because I think it's right in line with what we are talking about. And it's actually in the foreword, and this is what he writes. If it flies in the face of convention, suppress it. If it contradicts accepted academic dogma, reject it. If it opens minds, condemn it. If it turns history upside down, make sure it never sees the light of day. So has it been down through time. So it was in the late 1800s when Smithsonian executive John Wesley Powell and his colleagues decided that for humanity's good, they had best systematically destroy the vast amount of accumulated evidence proving that several Native American Indian tribes were most probably descended from ancient European visitors to the new world, yes, in the minds of these duplicitous psychopaths, destruction is always sanctified by some dubious pretext. Nevertheless, regardless of that blitzkrieg on truth, it is always a day for celebration when nefarious plots are foiled or exposed. We are dealing with an elite that has been rewriting history our whole lives and for literally thousands of years. And we sit in a very critical cusp of time that the efforts that we're doing as we are conscious and awake to preserve information away from their digital network has become not just important, it has become critical for the survival of humanity. My personal effort in the last three months has been to build out an extensive resource library in paper books on methods of trades, everything from leather work to building machines to bow making to building to building things out of metal, whatever that is. And that's a resource library for a future point. Hopefully we won't need it, but I, I think we will because of the way that they continue to reshape history. When you're doing your research, like I say, you should be saving things offline. And the more that you can print it out and save it in paper form, the better. When they take control, they have tried to put everything online because with their AI engines and with their abilities that they have, they have the capacity to rewrite things across full domains of information. That's another reason, in my opinion, that people experience the Mandela effect, which we talked about last night. There is, people will remember something like this, Luke, you are my father. That simple line in Star Wars, which they claim now doesn't exist, and it actually doesn't exist in the movie, how did it go away? Because that's what I grew up with. In fact, I think I still have Star Wars cards and some old collection that say that. But that's because it's a printed material that can contradict it. But once we go into a digital form, their ability to manipulate digital is limitless. And in that way, we literally are putting ourselves, when we live only with digital, in the control of the matrix, and it allows them to reshape the perspectives of reality. And that's their ultimate mechanism of control. Those right now that are living in this world of fear, driven by a fake pandemic, 
they are subject to what I would consider to be one of the most ruthless attempts to destroy the human mind because they're being told a narrative and with that process, they are going to be subject to being see everything around them rewritten. You can expect to see all sorts of crazy stuff this year, just like Ted Cruz coming out now and saying, oh, this is a great heroic day for the police. We know that's an absolute lie when you're sitting on the outside, but when you're inside the narrative, people are going, well, finally, Ted Cruz is coming around to seeing it the right way. He's finally joining the, us over here that have been so afraid of this horrible Trump supporters that attacked the Capitol. You can see how this works. And as they seize control of this more and more, and there's no way to prove or dispute it because we have relied on digital and they've rewritten the digital, our voice becomes little more than just a, a whisper of conspiracy. But when you have the facts and you've printed them out and you've kept them in solid paper form and you can use those as a foundation to bring about truth, there's not much they can say. Here's a crazy one for you. Noam Chomsky, who's a radical left crazy nut job communist now, he wrote a number of books back in the 80s that were cutting edge on media manipulation. It is unbelievable. I studied his work in the 80s, and I was, it was stunning to see how well he documented how the media was manipulating the truth. Today, whatever's happened to Noam Chomsky, bought out, sold, I don't know, threatened, could care less. He's an old man that'll pass away not fast enough as far as I'm concerned. But he's a communist now, and he's part of the deep, he's a deep state hand puppet. And it, I, I bet you can't figure out that I don't like him, just so I'm saying. I got to throw that in there. Anyway, um, he is literally, his books of the past, because people now don't even pay attention to them, because their reading comprehension is like 10 pages, and his books are like four or 500 pages. But the whole point is that, if you go to the paper books that he wrote in the past, and it, one of them was called Manufacturing Dissent, you have the truth of what we're dealing with today, and yet there's been this, such a significant disconnect because people will listen to Chomsky, they'll listen to his digital interviews, they'll listen to what he's currently digitally putting out, and they're not going to dig past into the past, past paper libraries. Notice how we don't have libraries anymore. So much of my research when I was at university was to literally go into basements of libraries and go through and walk the, the whole rows of books and just start pulling stuff off the shelf and, and going through books that were written long ago and just kind of seeing what was going on. We don't see that much anymore. Everything wants to become digital. William Appleman Williams, when he did his much of his historical revisionist work on the American history, was able to do so because up until the Reagan period, you could openly walk into the National Archives and just see what was on the shelf and read stuff. But by the midpoint of Reagan administration, they blocked that ability and made it impossible for people to get access to the National Archives. The only way you can do it is to go there and request the document that you need. But if you don't know what the document is, you can never request it. And that's part of maintaining the truth. We have to become the distributed libraries. We have to become the powerful researchers that are preserving the truth right now. That's literally what we're doing. When you, if you've ever read the book Fahrenheit 451, you'll know that at the end, one of the big things that they're doing at the end is they're teaching people they can't have books because in Fahrenheit 451, the fire department's role is not to put out fires, but to go and burn books. That's its role. We're not too far from that today. They just don't have to burn them. They can just hit a, hit a digital switch and burn it digitally. But what, what is really important is that in the end of, of Fahrenheit 451, what they're doing is they're actually having young, young children memor, learn and memorize certain books so that they are never forgotten. The thing is they become the, they become the resource basis. So let me just close with this as a perspective of how important history is and the retaining of the knowledge of history for future generations. Now in Afghanistan, it's really important to appreciate that they're an oral history culture, okay? And as an oral history culture, much of their history is preserved by the stories that they learn of their tribes and that are passed on from the elders to the youth. 
With that comes great wisdom. It comes, it develops continuity to the past and it develops in a, in a certain way, it develops a high measure of stability for the culture over time. Now that doesn't exclude that we have wars and all sorts of stuff happening and there's tribal infighting, but only when we get to the mid 20th century, do we see the rise of massive violence in wars. And Afghanistan is a great case study as to how that actually happens. When the Russians went in in Afghanistan, their elite team, which is equivalent to like a hybrid of our Navy SEALs and Delta called Spetnaz. So one of Spetnaz's roles in Afghanistan was to assassinate the elders. One would ask, why is that so important? Why not assassinate the young, the, the, the radicals? Because when you were assassinating the elders, what they were doing is they were removing the knowledge, the historical knowledge of the tribe and of the, the continuity from the present to the past. They wiped out a lot of their history as they assassinated the elders. And what did they offer in exchange? What they offered were the Russian schools that were standing up that the Afghan tribes were resisting. So the more that they went through the assassination program, the more that they were able to get the children pushed into the indoctrination camps. In our modern day, we're witnessing something very similar here. Right now, we've gone through about two generations of slowly pushing our family members, our, our mother and our fathers, into retirement homes and casting them away so they don't become a, quote, burden on our happy life of material consumption and self-worship. And then when they hit with coronavirus, notice what they've done. They have been targeting the elderly. Why are the elderly, which is a fairly low-risk group, why are they the number one priority to get vaxxed? Because they're doing the same principle. They're wiping out the knowledge base of society, the wisdom of the elderly. They are the historians. From a very loose sense, they are the ones, the keepers of the knowledge. It is so important that we now step into that role. We may not be able to stop this onslaught of hell that's going on against our elderly, but we can step in boldly and do everything we can to preserve truth and fight for truth because that's all that's going to be left in the end of this is what we are able to preserve. These people have no problem of literally shutting down the Internet and wiping out everything. So it's kind of some final words on this. Another final quote from, Dr. from William Carr. We view the past and achieve our understanding of the past only through the eyes of the present. It's an important perspective on this final, these final words here. We have to view the past, and we have to try to gain a perspective of how the past saw the past, not just how we see the past. Part of ripping away the elderly is to take that lens away. The elderly have our our grandparents, our, our parents, they have a lens on things that's distinctly different, that's unique to the time frame in which they lived. And we need to try to preserve that. Much of that is doing everything we can to spend time with them, to retain letters that they have, documents within the family. These all become part of a history that we're going to need to research over time. As we move through this and we literally are breaking away from this stupid matrix that we're living under right now. This matrix, this elite are collapsing, but they are not going to go away without trying to do a scorched earth on everything. And one of their greatest goals, in my opinion, would be to totally ruin humanity's knowledge base, wipe out the digital connection and leave us wandering in the desert without any clue where we're going. That's what I feel. That's where I work so hard every day in one way or another to build these libraries that I'm building, and I encourage you to do the same. If we assume the roles of being a historian and we realize that we are the survivors that will write history, the intensity of what we do, the purpose of what we're a part of should become greater than anything you've ever experienced because we're literally fighting for the preservation of human knowledge. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've come together blessed to see clearly in the world, to realize this fight that's on, to literally erase our histories. And Lord, it comes as no surprise to us that these elites, these, this evil in this world has targeted 
those who walk with walk with Christ as a primary assault on what they're doing. And to do that, Lord, they're going after our faith, our love in Christ, our love in you, Father, and the words that you've given us through Scripture. Lord, we are now standing boldly to preserve everything we can in terms of knowledge, to anchor ourselves deeply in, our, in your word, and to continue to elevate our knowledge and appreciation for Scripture and to put that into other people's hearts, to open the hearts and minds into the many, to realize the importance of looking open-eyed into this world, not being sucked down by the influence of propaganda and narrative, not trusting single sources of men for information, but realizing that we are being immersed into a network of lies to distort us, to obscure us, and to keep us away from the truth. So, Lord, in this time, we pray for the awakening of hearts. We awake, We pray for the opening of eyes. We pray for the opening of hearing to hear truly what's going on and to hear your wisdom, Lord, to guide us, to protect us, to pres- give us that power and capability to preserve and to, re- and to maintain and, and retain that information and knowledge for future generations. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We have to keep that focus right now. This is, this is the other part of the information war. And that war is brutal because the elites and their survivors, like I said, what they want is to erase the truth. And under no way can we let that happen. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up, patriots. This is a, we are in spiritual warfare at the highest level right now. And we're winning. But we have a lot of work to do and continue to do because this fight doesn't just go away with a few prayers. We have active work to do every day on the ground. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And he's always there with us. But we have to trust in him deeply, listen to him, ask him for guidance, and let him guide us in this fight so we can continue to push forward and not just win, but win boldly with the knowledge foundation that we need as we reset this world in our way through him in God's image. Have a blessed night. I'll see you back here shortly for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, This country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor 
will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 